This week we are joined by Malou and Bill Bancroft, the originators of Honduras Threads, an exciting program that is changing lives in Honduras. The show is sponsored by Sassy Jack Stitchery. It's Nashville market time and Kim will be traveling to the show to bring back your pre-ordered charts, threads, and other stitching goodies. Go to sassyjackstitchery.com and place your order now so you'll be among the first to have the latest designs. While you're at the Sassy Jacks website, sign up for the Cosmo Thread Club and join the Sassy Jacks Customer Loyalty Club. Use Cosmo Threads to stitch your new charts and add to your stitching fun with the many benefits of the Loyalty Club. Make Sassy Jack Stitchery your local needlework store at sassyjackstitchery.com. Thanks to the folks at Sassy Jacks for sponsoring this show with Bill and Malou Bancroft of Honduras Threads. Bill and Malou will also be with us for the Fiber Talk Stitch Hour, February 21 at 8 p.m. Eastern, when we'll be talking about the stitched products created by the ladies in Honduras. Enjoy the show, and then head to sassyjackstitchery.com and place your Nashville market pre-order. Welcome back. I'm Gary Parr. And I'm Beth Ellicott. And you're listening to Fiber Talk, the twice-weekly podcast for needlework artists. Our artist this week from Honduras Threads, Malou Bancroft. Malou, welcome. Thank you. And Bill Bancroft, husband of. Welcome, Bill. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be with you. Oh, yeah. You, uh, Bill wrote to me uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, just basically to let me know and say, hey, if you want to do a show and... We looked into Honduras threads, and yeah, we want to do a show. We got to talk about this stuff. This is cool. So, um, uh, you guys uh, uh, organized, started, and and organized, and kind of run this thing anymore. We'll get into that a little bit more. But uh, one or the other of you, uh, what is Honduras threads? Just so people have something to start with. Well, um, it is a nonprofit um, in the United States, a five hundred one c three. Um, that is working with um, women in Honduras in rural areas around the um, capital of Tegucigalpa. Um, and they do embroidery um, and um, and they're expanding <laughs> their, their work all the time now doing some weaving. Um, so they the, the main thing is that it is to provide jobs for them. The problem that we discovered uh, when we went on a mission trip to one of these little communities outside of Tegucigalpa was that there was no work for the women um, without leaving their families, either you know, to have to come to the United States or to work in Tegucigalpa as a live-in domestic during the week and only get to see their families on the weekend on Sunday afternoon basically so they it was it was a miserable existence for them if they had children or if they were young and and were leaving their parents for the week Um, so they just needed a way to make money in their own community and this was um, an idea that we came up with with in in consultation with um, some of the people there in Honduras, and we just sort of took off from there. That was in 2002. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, okay, so take um, us back to that mission trip then. So, so you just you just go on a mission trip uh, through your church, and you mm-hmm. see that that this is a problem, and so then. Uh, how how do you how do you go from there? I mean, it, it, your, your visitors in a foreign country. And you have an idea, and you know, I, I wouldn't know how to begin to approach. <laughs> we, we didn't really know either. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and the problem was that, that we were trying to figure all of this out during the, the year, after we had left <laughs> that first year. And so we got some information that really wasn't all that accurate, which <laughs> was that all the women um, learn how to embroider when they're little girls. So we were thinking they were fairly um, experienced or accomplished embroiderers, which turned out not to be true. Oh, <laughs> oops. They get like a week of embroidery in school <laughs> um, <laughs> as little kids. And 
Um, and most of them hadn't done any since then. Uh, sort of knew one stitch, but didn't do that very well. So it was um, it was a challenge um, when we got there with with embroidery work to do. Um, <laughs> We uh, and as we discovered that, you know, we were saying, well, is there something else that you would rather do? And they said, no, no, we all they all wanted to learn how to do this. So, and when we started, um, we weren't sure how many women might want to to do it. We thought maybe somewhere, maybe eight or ten at the most. Um, and the first morning we had 22 women who showed up for the, <laughs> and by the end of the second week that we were there, you know, we had two or three more and, um, and they were just determined they wanted to learn how to do it. So that took a while, Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so, all right, but so they, Malou, Malou, you, you're, you're a needle worker yourself. So that this gives you at least a foundation. Yes, I liked it. Uh, I not so much. I hadn't done so much embroidery um, as I had done needlepoint and knitting. But um, but I tried to brush up on the embroidery fast so that I could <laughs> teach them. <laughs> okay, so it falls on you to do the teaching then. Oh boy! And well, two or three of us did it. And, and what happened was that after we left, they made several pieces that, well, about. 30, 40 some that they sent up to us <laughs> and they were just awful. They were, it was just, Oh, I just wanted to cry when I opened the box. Cause I thought, <laughs> Oh no, cause there wasn't a single thing we could sell as it was. And, um, it was, they got off of the design and off of the size. And, um, it was just, there really wasn't anything to salvage out of all that. <laughs> so no. I had to go back and say to them, um, we really can't sell any of this. Could you sell any of it here? And they all said no. You know, so uh. <laughs> so again, there was this commitment from them that that's what they wanted to learn to do, and they just dug in and started. So, <laughs> so so this so you have this idea. It must have been quite a plane ride home. Um, uh, so, so you have this idea of we can help these people create, uh, these women create a business that they can sell embroidered items. And then you get shocked to learn that you're actually going to have to teach them how to, how to embroider. But then how does the business end? Bill, you handle that. How does the business end of things get set up? I mean, that, that can't be easy either. No, it, it, it really wasn't. So, so right there at the beginning, we were still in mission mode, right? Um, and uh, so it was, it was a, it was going back, uh, you know, to them and continuing to teach. From a business perspective, we felt like, well, whatever they produce, it's going to be so cool that we could sell it easily, like in the, like at our parish church, right? In the, uh-huh. in the bookstore or you know, friends, you know, the stuff will fly off the shelves. And um, and uh, alas, the stuff uh, did sell, but not nearly in the kind of volume that we thought it would sell. Mm-hmm. And and so um, so from a business perspective, so again, we started this in 2002 and and all the technology over the last 22 years um, has has become much more mature and and so on. So um you know, websites and online stores and so on, those came some years later. I remember in those first three or four years of mission trips, um, th- there were no real cell phones. Uh, there there was no uh, communication. And so the business, the business was really primitive. It was really, you know, can you, you know, can we get them to make really good product? And then what they sent to us um, could we sell it to friends and parishioners and so forth? Um, and, and it was very informal. Um, in terms of, well, I guess I could go a little bit deeper into this. We did, we did figure out that churches are not great places to run businesses like this. So we <laughs> set up a, so, so we incorporated in Texas, um, in 2004, I think, and, and then applied to the IRS and got our 501c3 designation then. Um, and, and so 
we were able then to put a board together. We were able then to, you know, kind of set pricing. Um, and, and so that's, that was kind of the, the business. And then this sort of informal, we, well, I guess, yeah. So right around that time, 2005, 2006, um, we took a booth at the New York International Gift Fair. Um, and um, we went five times, I think. Mu went up and, and put the booth together, and, and we stayed at friends and family. And, and, um, the, the, and yet had to be juried, basically, to get into that show. Um, and we did sell some stuff, um, you know, sort of across the country, um, small shop owners. Um, and, and then, um, but then we decided, you know, that, that wasn't working in terms of the volume that we needed. And uh, so we stopped that. But you can see how we reached out to different businesses and found, found different ways to, to sell the product on behalf of the women who were making it. I think another, another year we were in the Horchow catalog, for example, and we had two or three items. Um, the nature of retailing um, so those were our, basically our customers. Um, we found that small retailers were, um, they were kind of, uh, well, they're, they're unusual people, a lot of them. And mm-hmm. so, uh, they, they had a kind of a different take on, on how to sell it. Yeah. So it's, but it's, it sounds like the, at least initially the novelty of it being handmade in Honduras was your, was your sales pitch. Uh, I mean, it, was the quality well good enough then that you could sell, or were you still working on that? No, well, the quality was was good enough to sell, but it got better, um, okay. and 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 it got better, you know, dramatically better. And one of the key elements Malou's down those, there cracking the whip. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and 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 not only that, one of the key elements was one of the Hondurans that we worked with, um, who I had worked with uh, on these mission trips, and she'd helped us with you know construction projects and all kinds of other projects. She was there. She was here and there, and for circumstances that were kind of special. And so we would have meetings with her here, and then she would go back there and work with the women and get them to do what Malou had taught them. Okay. And and obviously they were receptive and and willing to work hard to uh, get things up to up to grade. Then. Right. Yeah, Malou, tell them about that. And they um, and as far as the business side of it, and on the on the Honduras end, it, it was. We, they were just informal co-ops, and um, what uh, the big another big revelation for us was that these twenty-two women that showed up um, for that first couple of weeks, um, it turned out that they weren't all from this one community. They were from four different communities. And they, uh, as we got to know them, we we learned all this, that they were um, walking. One of the the communities was three hours away walking. So those women were leaving before dawn and not getting home till after dark um, to to be able to work. And they were then they they were saying to us at at that point, well, and and the other two communities were um, an hour and a half walk. Um, so it was just, um, they were saying, if you could do, put together a a co-op for our community, there are a lot more women who could work, but they either have babies or toddlers or are taking care of, um, parents or whatever, and can't make the trip back and forth. So it was, it, it grew real fast, uh, (laughs) in those first three or four years because, um, they just needed to have one in each community. And so um, the, it, in each plot time we had to, um, you know, do a startup, have a get get the supplies that they needed and tables and chairs to work on. And um, and then the the fabric and the thread and all those things that they needed to get going and put in a little money to to pay them as they were learning and getting good enough that their pieces would sell mm-hmm. so it, that build up was um was kind of 
that was difficult, but it was also really good because then more women could work. So uh, it's been, um, <laughs> but so they they were thinking of themselves as um, co-ops, and and each time I would go down, um, I would say I walk in and say, "Okay, whose business is this?" And they'd all, you know, be stitching or something and not not answer. And then finally, I'd say, "Whose business is?" <laughs> then finally, they'd say, "Ours." But you you just knew they didn't really feel ownership yet. Okay. You know, they they um, I think had a hard time kind of I think they thought they worked for us, even though we told them, of course, that they didn't, that yeah. they owned it. But they just didn't quite understand that they could own something themselves. Well, and that's so, that's one of the things that I wondered about was the culture of, you know, for, for women to own a business and to uh, create their own product for sale. I mean, in, in any culture, that's that can be a challenge. Even sadly right. here in the United States, that can be a challenge. But uh, so that's quite a barrier to get over then. Yes. Yeah, it, it was. And they um, yeah, it's taken them a while. Um, and now, of course, they, it's developed over the years and we can talk about that more. But now they're um, they are officially um, a social enterprise that is registered with the Honduran government. And now they understand that it's theirs mm -hmm. <laughs> and they, and they've learned much more about the business side of it, which we can talk about in a minute, but it's, um, it was just at the beginning, um, they, they just had no clue. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because, um, the, the president that was elected of the, of this first group and everybody still had to go to Santa Cruz Arriba where, where the first, um, co-op was um for a while until we could get the others started and they um the president would there would have a sign-in sheet by the door and the women had to sign in when they came in and i said this way you'll know who who is here working and how long and they have to sign out when they leave so when i went back about three months later she had them signing out for lunch and signing back in again after lunch, she wasn't going to pay them for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so she was she was making very strict rules about how all this went. Yeah. So she was really um she was really key to getting it all working at the beginning. That was great. So how um, are initially how are you funding this thing? I mean, where are supplies coming from? Are you passing the passing the plate at church, or how are you doing that? Well, we had. Um, a lot of at the beginning we had donations and because we didn't know how it was all going to work and all that uh whether it was going to work we had donations of fabrics and donation had a huge wonderful donation of uh DMC pearl cotton at number 5 it was incredible uh of this one woman had done a lot of embroidery and she had a whole antique chest of drawers that was full of um dmc pearl cotton we, we know people was, like that yeah we know people like yeah that. We, yeah we, we do know people like that well we're not going to discuss that right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she had decided okay she wasn't going to do it anymore and she was um and she said you can have any of this or all of this and i oh my gosh so i just we took it all and um so the a lot of the supplies we did have to get, oh, you know, scissors and and some plastic um, tubs and all that to to store things in. And um, we discovered more and more things that we needed once we got there. But it was um, the, the basic uh, supplies were all donated, and that um, donation of fabrics and everything kind of kept going people would bring things to the church and, and they'd call and say you have a donation here you want to pick it up <laughs> so it, it just kept going and we so every year we've had a um a fabric drive um when you know in the spring usually and um people have and it has spread it not just people cleaning out their closets but it's um at, at home but we've you know had some had donations from um designers and 
people who make uh, uh, drapery or, or draperies or something like that, all the end pieces they have. So we've gotten, you know, it's it's been really good. We do have to buy some fabrics, and that um, is mostly the background fabric <clears throat> because we need bigger pieces of it, and um, it's so heavy to get down there. So uh, we have... I have bought background fabric in Honduras. Um, not all of it, but I do have to supplement from b- b- buying it there. And I like to buy it there. The problem, the only problem is that um, they don't require in Honduras that fabrics have the fiber content listed um, officially. And so uh, when we go to to label it then, for customs coming into the United States, we had to train the women how to figure out what the fiber content was as as closely as possible, whether it's, you know, wadding it up in your hand and seeing if it creases <laughs> or not, or whether it's uh, lighting it to see if there's um, acrylic or, or uh, whatever. Polyester. It, yeah. you know, so, and seeing what the ash is like, so you can... Um, decide the fiber content so there's they've had to learn a lot of things about fiber <laughs> to um, get the things into the united states so so you so just a, another small add to that um we we had been bringing the stuff back with us um in bags um through customs and at one point uh, the customs people said well no you know we don't we're not going to let you do that and they impounded um, um, several bags full of of the pillow covers, and um, I think this was when there were no labels inside right. that said 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 the content, right? Right. And so so Malou had to she had to have labels made, and she had to go to a warehouse, and she had to iron in the oh, labels no. one by one into several hundred of these pillow covers. Yeah, three hundred. Three hundred, and she did it standing up on pallet on a pallet. And that's <laughs> how we finally got that particular shipment out of customs, and so we could sell it. Yeah, there are things you learn that you you, you just didn't really want to right. know or think you had to know ever. And customs <laughs> is one of them. They said, "Well, you're an importer," and I. I had never thought of myself as an importer. I just, uh, so, um, so you had to, they had new regulations. So yeah. all of a sudden, there we were. No, that's what intrigues me about this whole thing is you start out with a simple idea to help some people. And then look how it, I mean, now you're buying fabric in the in Honduras and uh, <laughs> burning it to figure out content. I mean, look at all the things that, that just offshoots of, of a simple idea and uh, but if you want well, to move, yeah. if you want to move stuff across international borders that's what you have to do i guess wow that's that's right yeah <laughs> so another another no challenge idea. was was the chi- the chinese um uh, you know uh, cost of fabric and it drove the honduran we had one great mill in honduras that was making lots of really good solid um, fabric that we could 100% use for cotton. It was great, <laughs> and, and and they went out of business because they couldn't compete with the Chinese. So that was kind of an additional layer of okay, now how do we solve this problem, right? So, yeah, right. Yeah. So does so uh, all right. To, uh, I'm going to set that one aside and go back to wh- where did the designs come from? How how what did you say? how did you figure out what you were going to have them make or, or maybe they said, this is what we'd like to make. And then how did these designs get put together? That had to be yet another whole operation. It, it was in, we, it was, it was just serendipity. It was, um, <laughs> um, the women, um, first of all, in, if you look at, um, the fiber arts from, uh, Mexico or uh, Guatemala or somewhere where they have had that tradition for centuries, probably. Um, you can recognize their um, their style and their kind of embroidery and all that. Um, Honduras didn't have that, and they they had a very um, 
the only thing that I found were um, claws to wrap around tortillas that would have a little embroidery in the corner or something. Um, there isn't a traditional embroidery. She's right. There, were, there was nothing indigenous in Honduras. And, and that, despite the fact that the Lenca... You can't say that because it, I got, one lady got really upset with me when I said there was no indigenous embroidery in Honduras. Evidently, there's some somewhere, but I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> so... Um, Right. It's not do- it's not dominant. Right. No. It's not dominant like like Guatemala is, for not example. Yeah. And, and, and that despite that they do some terrific stuff with wood and carving. And they also do some terrific stuff in pottery, um, particularly black and white or black and cream in pottery. But the women that we were working with didn't really have any sense of that. Mm. So the designs that we used came from a Dallas artist who came with us on one of those first mission trips. And she um, she's well known here in, in the region. Um, and uh, she she came up with the uh, first designs and there were several of them. Um, one was, of. Go ahead. Malou. Well, she's very influenced in her art by the the um, stitching both in quilting and embroidery that she saw her mother and grandmother do as she was growing up. So some of her paintings have stitches in them. I mean, she, she paints the stitches on. She said, I can't stitch. And I said, well, we can't paint. So that doesn't matter. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, but it's, it just translates so well back into, to um, fabric. So it's, it's wonderful. And she, um, just was really excited about doing it and giving us her designs um, so that we could, you know, so the women could keep making them. And the women love her designs. So um, they they were really happy. Yes, they were very happy. And when I would ask them if they had ideas for designs, they'd say, no, no, we can't design. Now they do, and I can tell you about bit more about that. Well, but, well, tell, tell us. Um, yeah, yeah tell us about it, because that was my next question. Is like, so do <laughs> women now, have they taken up designing? They, um, they, are begin- they have. They have. What happened was that we um, went on a, uh, I took them, took four of them from their board on um, a marketing trip to Roatan, which is the island right off of, um, Honduras, it's part of Honduras, but it, it um, is known for um, scuba diving and all that, and um, has a lot of uh, tourists who come um, aboard uh, cruise ships, too. And so <clears throat> they have a lot of stores there, and we thought, well, that might be a good place to market. So we took the women there, and one of the suggestions from one of the stores, or two of the suggestions from one of the store owners were to make uh, Christmas ornaments because people buy them year round to bring back as um, souvenirs. And particularly if we did it with fabric, they would be, they wouldn't be breakable. It'd be easy to pack. And the other thing was um, cards, greeting cards. Um, So, (laughs) which we hadn't thought about at all. And so the women, um, wanted to do both of those and when when we got back I said well Pamela Nelson who is the artist who was designing things for us said she's doing a big show and she's really busy with it right now and won't be able to design these and so I think you all could make some designs and they did they took off with it and they did all the designs for the cards and for uh, the ornaments and some of them are uh, sea life like um, uh, starfish and um, <clears throat> uh, uh, several different fish, angelfish. Um, then they also did uh, uh, some that just have embroidery stitches on them so they could be for a birthday or any any occasion. Now they're doing this past couple of years, they've done Christmas cards this year they've done Valentine's too, um, and then the Christmas ornaments are uh, also there are quite a few that are um, sea life, and then also um, angels and a 
nativity scene and uh, and snowmen and so they've they've really expanded on that and now they're beginning to oh they a new another new product that we're just getting started is pins um like little brooches uh and they designed one of the women designed one of those that's a feather and they're working on some other designs right now so they're beginning to um to to do some designs of their own and that's really exciting that's great that's just that much more ownership yeah yes and uh confidence in what they can do right so that's exciting so so what happened to the two of you did this this sounds like this became a full-time endeavor at some point (laughs) yeah okay i smell it yep (laughs) It's a full-time endeavor, <laughs> and now for two of us, almost. <laughs> uh, it's um, uh, it I I there's just because we're a nonprofit, and because we uh, depend on volunteers a lot, <laughs> um, it it just takes more time, to, and and we don't. I mean, I'm sure that there are probably some apps that we could use that would make everything work faster and more easily but the the they they cost money because you have to switch it's like switching over from um these little handwritten tags that we have and um to using um the code what bill barcodes barcodes that's it um we probably could save a lot of time and money in the end but we would have to put out <laughs> a lot of time and money to switch yeah. over so there are things like that that i'm i'm sure we are doing that are taking more time than they should um but it's it's either time or money <laughs> that's what right. You, right. and so we raise money um oh the the women decided all, all on their own uh oh several years ago um now, I guess it's been 12 or 15 years ago now, um, that they wanted to donate back to, we give them 100% of the um, the sales of their products. And then they wanted to donate back to Honduras Threads 30% of that to help cover the cost of materials. So, um, that was really nice. It is not, um, and it was uh, phenomenal because at that point they didn't all work together all the time. And so it was, it was pretty amazing that they all got together and decided to do that. And, um, the, the main thing is that, that well, it, it does not cover all of the pro- costs of materials, but it, it makes a big dent in it. So that's helped a lot. Um, and now that they're selling more, our sales are up. We may be able; they may be able to increase that a little bit and get, cover more of their costs. Mm-hmm. But um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but anyway, they are they're doing well with that, and um, so we have some income from that. And then we have then we have to raise money in the United States too. So um, we have a couple of fundraising events or letters that go out each year and um bill can tell you more about that in a few minutes i think we'll get to the um exhibitions that we've been doing these last two years so um so there's yes there's always fundraising to do there's always um sales to do and the, the huge um challenge for us is is marketing um because we don't have a lot of money for ads or something like that. And we've needed to learn how to uh, use social media to get people to our website. Um, We've redone the website this past year. Um, So I think it works better now and we're doing better on the social media, but Oh, there's so many things. (laughs) And possibly, you know, if if we were, um, in our thirties or something, we might be better at the social media than we are. But, but anyway, it's, um, 
you know, it's a challenge always finding market. Yeah. Right, right. So, so do the women all work together in the same building, or no. how does that no, work? No, they don't. Um, in they they pretty much work together in each community. But the whole idea was to be able to work in your community and not have to leave every day. To they get together when they have a, a project that um, all of them are going to be working on, and they they talk about how it's going to work and they get all their supplies together and then go back out into their community to do, to, um, to do the work on it. Um, in some communities, they have a place to work. Two of them have a room in a church um, in the community that's theirs that they can keep things in and um, go there to work. And then in the others, it's at somebody's house that has enough room for everybody to get together. Um, they don't all work together every single day, but when they do work together, they, they do better. I don't, you know, it's really interesting. Um, they, they see what the other one's doing and they, they talk about stitches or whatever that they're going to use on certain things. So if, if they're working together, they just, um, they just do better. <laughs> well, I, I think that's true for all of us, though, because yeah. I know when, you know, you get together with your friends, you know, you might be working on something and then you feed off each other. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, why don't you try this? Or maybe this color would look a little better. Or, oh, I like your idea. I'm going to put it on my piece. Um, you know, right. there's that sense of community that mm-hmm. um, that just helps. And I'm always so amazed that they can do, you know, they made a lot of the uh, have made a lot of the pillows um, in pairs, and so so t- you know sometimes you can get a pair. Um, sometimes one of them has sold, and and we don't have the second one. So it just depends. But it, they have made a lot of them in pairs, and when you get the list in of um, inventory that's just been sent up um it, it will have two different people who made them but but they look exactly alike it's just so amazing how they can do that and um so they you know they do you can tell they feed off of each other and they they can make them that are identical it's really interesting yeah, yeah so i think the, late, I think the latest example of them working together is with the two floor looms that um, have we've actually put into service were donated in the last couple of years. Um, one of them, so there are five uh, five villages basically where these women live, and one of the looms is is in one area and another one in another area, and so they have to go to the loom obviously to do the weaving and um, and they're they've been teaching. You know, we had a uh, a master weaver from Dallas come with us uh, twice now to teach, but you know she couldn't teach everything to everybody, and the women there have have picked up on what she taught, and they are um, transferring that knowledge to their coworkers there. So that's another kind of way that they that they're coming together. So they didn't have a weaving um, background in Honduras that you know of. They, okay, so great question. Um, the the women there, uh, so in Guatemala, it's pretty much Maya, and there is a Maya um, influence in part of Honduras. Um, Copan is a big sort of center, um, but the, and the Lenca used to know how to weave. Um, the Lenca is the is similar to the Maya in terms of indigenous. Um, and they used to know how to weave, but they have lost that pretty much. There are half a dozen Lenka in another part of the of Honduras, probably six, seven hours away from where we're working, who who do have some looms and are doing some weaving. But other than that, the art the art has been lost, and um, so it's been interesting to reintroduce it. And you might say, well, why did we decide to do that? Well, we went to this other place to buy fabric um, to make shawls, and um, and then and 
and we were successful the first time. And then the then first lady of Honduras um, got interested and they bumped the price up so high that we couldn't really afford, we couldn't really make any money to buy fabric from them to make shawls. So we're sitting around having dinner and saying, well, well, why don't we just buy some looms and, you know, they'll learn how to weave. And then that's another thing that they can add to their to their repertoire. And so that's what we did. And so the first um, because we just started it, we had COVID got in the way. Um, but because we so just started it, we now have um, enough fabric that they have made to turn into shawls for, I don't know, like eight, 10, 12 um, just in the next uh, couple of months, they will embroider um, those shawls as well. So, um, and they're they're quite stunning. I love that the company priced themselves right out of the right out of the job. Yeah, take that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, get greedy. See what happens. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, how long did it take before uh, the skill level was high enough and the production was high enough? that you could count on a steady stream of product to sell? Was it two, three years or longer? No, it was probably two years. I mean, they, they have kept getting better and better, but, um, but, but things were, we could sell what they were making at, at two years uh, pretty well. Um, Mm -hmm. Didn't have much that wasn't up to par. Now it's more, it's just more sophisticated and and more um, more beautiful. I mean, they just they've gotten better and better and better. Long long ago, they passed up anything I could teach them, so they just <laughs> <laughs> I took um, you know took them some books of of embroidery stitches and and all that at the beginning, and now they they make up their own as well as use all these <laughs> books. So they'll just say, "Oh, I just." I just do this one. <laughs> I just made this up. And so they, you know, they they are very creative with it. And the other thing that they they really um own is the the colors. Um it's like the artist here who designs all these things, uh Pamela said, you know, you can't it doesn't say Honduras. Um it's, but what it says is, um, it you can tell it's not made in Kansas, you know, <laughs> that, <laughs> because it's it's just a different color sense and combination of colors that works really well together. But it's just different than um, than American um, combinations of colors sometimes. Yeah. So. Um, and and they love the bright colors and and have it. They they call them allegre and happy. And if you ask them to do something on a white background in one color um, of embroidery, they think they call that triste, which is sad. <laughs> so <laughs> if, you, if you say, for example, um, you know you want a white pillow with some light blue embroidery all of the design in a light blue or something they they think that's very triste so (laughs) it was very interesting that um we had a a, one of our artists here who had participated in um the exhibition last year had went with us to to honduras this past summer and she was um doing some color um doing one class with them on uh, color and so she she was trying to explain to them that and and it was so good for them to hear um the difference when when she's doing something that is a commission from someone for she does some beautiful wall hangings and and um oh they're just they're amazing and it so she's doing it as a as a commission then she has to listen to what the person wants and pay attention to that, whether it's a company that's doing it for a lobby of their building or a, an individual who wants it for their living room or something. She has to pay attention to the size and the colors and the and all that that the person um, who's ordering it wants. 
And she said, so that is one kind of work. That's something where um, I am doing what the customer asks for. If I'm doing it for uh, an exhibition um, of my work in an art gallery, then I can do anything I want. Then I can use any colors and I can make it any size and I can, you know, choose whatever I want to do. So it's two different ways of looking at it. And that was, it was really interesting. The women really caught on to that because mm. they have had to do some colors, you know, that they they didn't particularly think were great. But. <laughs> Customer's but right. The customer's always right. Yeah. That all artists are doing that if they're, doing some commissions too so interesting talk, talk about those commissions because uh, i mean jw marriott i mean that's not small potatoes uh so you, you've had some significant well, projects then we have we've had um we had 1400 pillows for two hotels in costa rica one was the jw marriott um on the coast and Juan Acosta. Uh, yes Juan and the other was the um, Intercontinental in um, San Jose. So, um, the and I don't, I, <laughs> they were owned or run by the same board. I don't quite get how that works, but anyway, <laughs> um, the, the same board decided on both of them. And it was just um, through a, a friend of ours that is, um, that worked with a designer here in Dallas, who was working on these two, the, the rooms for these two hotels. And um, so she said, well, it's all neutral and I just need something that's going to make these rooms pop. And so this friend told her about our stuff and showed, took some pillows to show her. And, and then we didn't hear anything for months and months and months. And then we heard they weren't going to choose any of our pillows. And then Two weeks later, we got the first um, purchase order. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> it was pretty exciting. And at that point, I thought there were going to be nine hundred of them in five months, and it they kept sending another purchase order and another one, and, and pretty soon it was fourteen hundred, but still in five months. So, um, <laughs> I was wondering what I had done to these poor women, but but anyway, they got it done, and we um, it was in three parts and um so i was going back and forth trying to get all the fabric down there because i had to buy it all in the united states because of of the colors they wanted and the kind of fabrics and so it was uh, it was tricky trying to get it all down there but um and then i i needed to be there the three times that the order was finished so that i could double check it and um get it to the uh, ready for the company that was going to come pick it up and get it to Costa Rica. So it was, um, it was really exciting. And they figured out, I went, went down and said, okay. <laughs> and they weren't used to working together. So I said, okay, I need the president and one or two other people from each group. And we're going to have a meeting and talk about a big order. <laughs> and so then we we did, and then I said, okay, so I need you all to figure out how you're going to do this. So they talked together, and they decided they were going to to do all of the cutting and the uh, put all of the appliques on and have everything ready to embroider. Um, and they were going to do all of that in one location where they had more room and big tables to um, spread out on. And so every day two or three people from each place were going to come and get those things ready. And at the end of the day, they would take back anything that was ready to start embroidering to the other women in their group and let them start embroidering and working on that. And, um, and they got it. They, they did it. They, <laughs> they got it organized. They figured out how to do it. They lived up to all of the, the um, deadlines and it was amazing. Wow. So, Wow, a big success. And a friend of ours was in one of those hotels two years ago. Let's see, that was in 2008. And two years ago, they were um, in San Jose and walked into one of the rooms and there was 
there were our pillows on the bed and they couldn't believe it. <laughs> so, so they've lasted well. You know, you wonder how they're going to do in a hotel situation or something, right. but it's right. great. So would love to have a big hotel commission again. That was yeah. terrific. Yeah. What, what has been the impact on the women and their families? It's got to be huge. It is. They are different people entirely <laughs> for the for the better. They're they're different in that they are not timid anymore about saying what they think. Um, when I at first it was just really hard to get them to to give any opinions or um, say anything. You know, they just they just wanted to embroider and not not. Um, participate in, in discussion of anything well now they when you ask a question they they all want to tell you what they think about it and <laughs> so it's great it's just at first they would stand up and say well my opinion is you know now they're less formal about it but it's just it's so funny because they just all tell you exactly what they think about whatever it is you ask so um it's wonderful. They are. They have run for um, like the we would call it a city council or something. It's a, the the little board of the community that decides on things, or the water board of the community, or you know they they are participating in in the community much more in other ways too, other than just the the um, social enterprise. So they. And they they have been incredible um, examples for their kids because the the kids would come like after school was out at um, for the younger ones at noon or one o'clock they'd come down and come into the room where their parent where their moms were working and sit next to them and watch them making these things it's just you can tell they are so proud that their moms are uh, making something beautiful and earning money. And it's especially fantastic for the boys to see that because it's, um, you know, a real macho society in a lot of ways. And for the boys to see what their moms can do is um, really, really meaningful. Um, So, I think that it's given them so much self-confidence and um, self-respect. It, it, they're just they're just different people than they yeah. were before. And um, I think that we've been fortunate in that the the dads, the, the husbands, um, and dads of ones who who weren't married yet um, have been pretty supportive. The dads were the hard ones at the beginning because they didn't understand that the the, um, the custom in Honduras um, is that you get paid every two weeks. So um, they didn't understand why their daughters were working and not getting paid every two weeks. <laughs> mm. So um, it was at the beginning, it was uh, hard for, you know, them to understand that. And um, but eventually, as as the sales picked up and they got money, not every two weeks, but they got money um, when the sales were. Because um, I, I would send money down after we'd had um, a big sale or a, an event or something. And. Yeah. So then they understood finally that they were getting paid. They just weren't getting paid every two weeks. Right, right. This has also, I assume, been a huge difference maker in terms of putting food on the table, kids in school, clothes. Right. Um, and the the huge thing that <laughs> there's always something that comes up that you don't expect. And one of them was a few years ago now. So it's it's probably been six or seven years now. Um, the government of Honduras decided that school would be required through ninth grade instead of through sixth grade. That lots of the women um, have only a, a sixth grade education. 
because that's all that was required for years and years. And so they all want their kids to get to go through high school, at least. And lots of them want to go on to university. So the the problem was that, I mean, it's really great that they were requiring people to go through ninth grade. The problem was that it costs a lot more money to do seventh, eighth, ninth grade um, because there aren't uh, middle, what we would call middle school or junior high in in every community. Um, so they have to travel. And uh, then for high school, there are no high schools out in the rural areas that you have to go into Tegucigalpa to go to high school. So there's definitely transportation costs for that. So what what I found out was happening was that one of the women told me she had to ask her uh, or tell her her high schooler that he couldn't continue. He had to drop out of high school because his sister was ready to start seventh grade and she couldn't afford to do both. And the sister was to go to seventh grade. So I thought, oh, no, this is not, we, we can't do this. That's not going to work. So what we worked out was to share um, the um, education expenses with the family up to 50%. So they put in 50%, we put in 50%. Um, and... So now, the, and that covers, you know, it's supposedly free, but um, <laughs> it's not, you know, because there are uniforms involved there. The school uniform, the PE uniform and shoes that go with it, the all the books, all the supplies, um, there's transportation in a lot of cases. Um, there are fees. It's a very interesting it's free, but it's there are fees. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, that has been, and and we call that program Educando el Futuro, which means educating the future, and um, that was the thing when we asked um, both the the teenage children of the the um, women and the women themselves, what their goals were and what they wanted to achieve and all that. It was everybody except for one woman um, said that educating their kids was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And all the kids said that they were all wanted to go to um, university. And the one woman who whose children were already grown um who had a different first goal, and that was uh, medicine for her husband, that who is, uh, has some term, terminal illness, but it, it's doing um, pretty well with the medications he's taking. So it, it was definitely the most important thing to all of these people was was doing this this education, and so that's what we've been doing, and we've. Um, just been doing that for now. I think it's seven years. This is the seventh year. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. We're, 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 we're running out of time. This happens every time. So let's get to yeah. how how can people help? So um, there there are three ways I think that people can help. Um, I think the first the first way is to follow us on social media. Write a review. Refer family and friends, um, share content that we've, we've got out there, um, engage with our posts, um, and, 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 you know, sort of cheer us on, um, which is really, I think really important because we're trying to break out of this pretty small, uh, group of family and friends and friends of friends, um, that, that have supported us over the years. So, We've got to have a we've got to have a wider a wider following. Um, I think number two is uh, if anybody has any extra uh, DMC pearl cotton number five. Uh, I'm told we can use number three and number eight um, embroidery floss. If they have any of that, 
send it to us and we can get it to Honduras and they can use it and it'll be part of the part of the items that they make. And then the third thing is is uh, donations. Um, it takes uh, it takes uh, resources, money um, to run this organization, uh, and um, we we don't have um, we have a, a good sales volume, but um, because of the way um, so much of the money goes to the women, we have to support that with donations. Um, we have to support the technical assistance the raw materials and so on we have to support um, and so donations uh, help us with that so those are three ways three ways to help okay and let's let's go back to uh, uh, pearl cotton and and floss you're looking i'm sure looking for full skeins dmc uh you know don't don't send don't, don't send scraps or leftover skeins or whatever or how how do you approach That's, that yeah, that's correct. Um, because when we purchase the raw material, we purchase um, boxes of it, and they, it, you know, they come in skeins, and you know, they need to be, yeah, they they need to be in skeins. Just little scraps here and there uh, won't work. Right, right. So, all right, then, when it comes to uh, floss. You know, food food banks will often tell you, "Give us the money; we can do so much more with the money than if you give us ten cans of soup." Uh, is that the same for you? Where money is is a better option in terms of buying floss and fabric, or would you prefer that people send the send the skeins of floss? I think money is better, um, and 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 it just it just allows us to be. Um, more creative in terms of the raw materials that we can supply uh, to them and that they can then turn into um, a really exciting uh, product uh, that, that we can take to market up here. Mm-hmm. Now, and other thing that allows us to do, we have, have mostly done one-of-a-kinds and pairs in the past, but we are moving toward doing a, a few more, and not like 500, but like 10 of something, or uh, so that when it's online, um, y- you know, you have more than one of them to sell. <laughs> um, right. So, uh, so you don't have to take a picture of absolutely every single thing and have it all online. So, um, that would allow us um, to buy um, enough of a certain fabric to to have 10 pillows that were. Um, the same scissors, anything like that, or you have supplied all those. Um, well, we, uh, we, we have to replace scissors from time to time. It's amazing how you use them all day, every day. <laughs> and, right. and haven't been able to find somebody who uh, sharpens scissors in Tegucigalpa yet. So, um, it's, uh, that's, that's difficult, but we, so we do have to buy some new scissors from time to time and new, you know, tape measure things wear out, <laughs> but, um, uh, there, irons. That's the other thing. Irons wear out. Um, it's amazing. So, um, you just have to replace some of those things from time to time. So, but but again, if if people are contributing money, you you know, replacing irons, right. it's easier for you than if somebody sends sends an iron. That's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 So so another thing that that money does, right, money buys communication with them. We do a Zoom call once a week with with them, with the leaders. And, you know, we discuss all sorts of items, issues that they might have or, um, you know, orders that we might have from up here. And from time to time, they've got to have a new computer because the old one just don't they just won't work anymore. Right. So um, so money goes for those kinds of things as well. Um, it's, it's well, and internet is, access too. internet I mean, access is, is another kind of an issue, right? Yeah. Um, right. so, right. and your so, webpage is, which I did spend quite a time. You did, you did take about a, a good hour of my life yesterday, just um, <laughs> perusing those and saying, Oh, that's nice. Oh, look at that. Oh. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> keep moving. Yeah. Keep moving. Yeah. That's, you know, that, so we redid that a year ago and, um, you know, it took a lot of time and some money to do that. Uh, so it's when you think about how how this business needs to grow to embrace more than just the people you know, 
uh, across the street or across town. You just have to go to the internet, and and there's all kinds of, oh, I don't know, there's fees that it's just there's just a lot there to to do and to pay for. Mm-hmm. It is amazing what uh, one mission trip has delivered. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It is amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I, my mind's just sitting here. How many lives have been changed dramatically just because of this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, we talk about social capital, um, and we talk about um, social capital. You know, if you have a, if you have enough food, and and they live in an area where there's food insecurity for sure. Um, they live in an area where where their where medical help and assistance is is either very expensive or non-existent, um, and and you know education is so important and yet there's there's so little of it that's uh, that's available to them one way or another. Um, so uh, something like this where they can where, where where money comes into a community it improves health which continues to improve the community even more, education and so on. You can see how uh, you get to a virtuous circle of things that make, life, uh, make lives better and, and allows them to stay where they are as opposed to joining the diaspora, you know, going anywhere else in the world. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely fantastic. Thanks to uh, Bill and Malou. Thanks so much for uh, sharing this with us. HondurasThreads.org is the website. All the information is there. Um, and, and be careful. Yeah, like Beth said, you'll get sucked in. It's, um, it's, it's a fun ride. <laughs> it's yes. a fun ride. Yes. Uh, also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. But HondurasThreads.org is the place to start. Uh, boy, Bill Malou, applause to you guys for um, uh, making this happen and, and uh, all that you've done. What a, what a tremendous effort and um difference making really uh, really fantastic so thanks thanks for sharing this with us and thanks for doing it wow what a great thing well, thank you for having us it's yes thank you so much yep. so. all right and thanks to everyone for listening mm-hmm.